and welcome to episode three of the XTA podcast series where uh, myself, Stu, and Blake, Blake, will delve into their one, their, I'm saying their as if I'm not me, uh, into their 100 favourite games of all time. <laughs> Good, great intro from the intro master. I just love how... The Stu. <laughs> I just love the... I'm Stu. <laughs> and then you said my name twice, I'm like, that's my full name. <laughs> yeah, you're Blake Blake. That's me. So, yes, if you're uh, just tuning in for the first time... Basically, we both have a wheel of each other's list of games. We pick one at random, we talk about it for a little bit, and then we rank it in our growing list of favourite games of all time. If you've not listened to uh, the other two episodes, go back and listen to them. Uh, yeah, that's an order. That's not fun. a request. Yes. Do it. Right now. While still listening to us at the same time. Yeah, listen to both simultaneously and see if we ever at any point say the same word. At the same time as we did before. There's a fun little thing for you. The trick is we only ever talk about the same four games in every episode. Yeah, and they're all Lego Star Wars games. <laughs> yes. So, uh, do you want me to go and run down the current lists? Yes. So, uh, for myself, uh, currently, in 8th, Place is Dead Rising, seventh place is Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, sixth place is Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion, fifth is Grand Theft Auto Five, fourth is Tony Hawk's Underground, three is Mass Effect Two, two is Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim, and number one is Fallout New Vegas. And for Blake, in eighth place is Lego Star Wars for the Game Boy Advance, in seventh place is Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim, in sixth place is Grand Theft Auto Five. 5th place, uh, Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion. 4th is Team Fortress 2. 3rd is Star Wars Battlefront 2. 2nd is Fury. And 1st is Doom 2016. Definitely 2016 and not any other year. Don't let anyone no. fool you into thinking that. No, you'd, you'd have to be silly to think it was released <laughs> in any other year. So I do believe uh, last time we left off with one of your games. So I guess it's my turn. I guess it is. Yeah, so spin my wheel. You can't make me. Oh, well, I did it. Oh, wow. Oh, is it going to take out? Damn it. It was almost a game that we just finished speaking about. Oh. But instead, it's Assassin's Creed 2. Oh, okay. So, uh, a little bit of history, no pun intended, about uh, my experience with the series. I hate the first game. I do not like Assassin's Creed 1. Um, I didn't like it at the time. I was not a fan. So when Assassin's Creed 2 came out, I was just not interested. And then one of my friends from school was like, no, like Assassin's Creed 2 is much better. You should play it. Here, I'll lend you my copy of it. I'm like, <sighs> fine. And then I played it. And now it's one of my favorite games of all time. Because Assassin's Creed 2 is... Such a giant leap forward in terms of quality from the first. It's a much more interesting game. Uh, it's got a much more interesting main character. Um, Ezio Auditore is just a better main character to play as than Altair, whose only personality trait is that he is an asshole. And then when he stops being an asshole, he's just a person. 
Whereas Ezio's actual, actual <laughs> character. That is a glowing review of the first Assassin's Creed game. When the main character stops being an asshole, he's just a person. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm interested in, like, the... Uh, I was interested in, like, the mythos of Assassin's Creed and all this sort of alternate history and stuff like that. Um, so I've watched people play the first Assassin's Creed game, but I just think it... Like, to play it is so dull because it's so repetitive uh, for every assassin uh, assassination you have to do. It's basically doing the same sort of, like, uh, checkpoints. Like, oh, you got to overhear this conversation. And then now you've got to pickpocket this one guy. Now you got to beat up this other guy to get information. And it's basically just the same thing for every assassin. They might, like, take away something and add something a little bit different, but it's it never feels fresh. Whereas Assassin's Creed 2 kind of definitely makes it more of a linear story. Like, you do a bunch of missions and then you get the, okay, now it's, you have to kill this uh, person. But I just feel that worked a lot better because, yeah, it kind of took away a little bit of freedom in how you set up the assassination, but it meant they could tell a better story and set up the assassination in a better way, in my opinion. But... Yeah, I just think Assassin's Creed 2 is just a perfect blend of everything that would make the series great. Uh, I think the setting is really uh, good. Uh, it's set in Renaissance-era Italy. So you're going around... Uh, I think you start off in uh, Florence and then you basically jot around Italy until uh, you eventually get to the Vatican because your main villain of the game has become the Pope. I hate when that happens. Uh, your main your main villain is a real-life uh, historical figure. Uh, forget his la- I forget his first name, but it's uh, Borgia. And, uh, yeah, but, like, what I like about Assassin's Creed, especially with 2, is all the, like, the odes to, like, real history and the sort Rodrigo. of alternate history that they... Sorry, what? Rodrigo. Oh, yeah, Rodrigo. Bor- Sorry, I just had to Google it so that I was... Because I was like, what is his name? Rodrigo Borgia. Um, but so a lot of the people that you kill are real-life historical figures uh, who were around uh, Italy at that point. One of your best friends is Leonardo da Vinci. Just like real like, life. Just like in real life. And I remember the first time I played the game, there's a section where... Uh, you. Like, he helps you escape from a city, I think. And before you leave, he's like, oh, bring it in, Ezio. Let's go for a hug. And you have to press a button to confirm the hug. But I put my controller down to rest for while the cutscene was happening. And I missed out on the chance to get that hug. So every time I replay it, I'm like, and as soon as I know the hug's coming up, I'm there with the controller in my hands. It's like, I'm ready to hug. <laughs> You're there, controller in hand, and you deliberately miss the hug. <laughs> No, I could never do that to Da Vinci. He's, it's like, um, he's... was it um, Until Dawn? There was a part where Josh puts the, his hand up to high five, and I fucking missed it. Oh. So he puts his hand up, and I left him hanging. I'm like, oh. You're a bad person. I quit and restarted. Yeah, good, good. You're a good person. And then man. I deliberately didn't high five him. Second time I played it anyway. It's a dick. Okay, fair enough. I never played Until Dawn. Uh, it's not a long game. Only lasts until about dawn. And after that, you're fine. 
That was a good joke. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, but w- w- one of my favorite parts of Assassin's Creed 2 is uh, there's a series of collectibles from someone called Subject 16. Mm-hmm. And basically there are little glitches in the map where if you go to them and then sort of press a button, you get like sucked into this digital realm where you have to like solve puzzles. And something will just be like, uh, find the hidden object of Eden, which is the big like MacGuffins of the Assassin's Creed universe, have like hold like infinite power, and part of their like alternate history is that everyone who's been like every noble person of power has had one of these pieces of Eden at some point in their life. But what I like about it is just it it just creates like a very like fun backstory for the entire universe of Assassin's Creed, knowing that the war between assassins and templars has not only been going on for like a thousand years but it's also like included people like gandhi and and uh hitler you just uploaded a picture yeah it's just a meme for you to laugh at i laughed at it i know we're recording but like sometimes when you when you see a meme yeah sometimes when you see a meme you just gotta share it's a sentence it was yeah just for context the meme was um it's like responses to not handshaking. So it's like a high five has 50% less bacteria than a handshake. Fifth, uh, fist bump, 90% less bacteria. Sweep the leg, 100%. <laughs> so there you go. Next time, I, next time me and Strip meet each other, it's going to be a never-ending series of leg sweeps. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> you're gonna, I've been practicing. You're going to go downstairs, walk into the living room, <laughs> sweep the leg. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh. Well, I had one thing about Assassin's Creed that I wanted to share as well. The box art for that game sold it. Like, the, the it has, like, that classic image of Ezio with both of his hands out, and he's got, like, the, the hidden blades and everything. Yeah. It is very cool. They, they really ramped up. Like, there was good things about the first game. They were just so spread out that they couldn't carry the game. Mm. But... Two took all of those things and made them more permanent and better, in my opinion. I think what two did is streamlined a lot of things. So instead of having to travel to each individual place to begin with, there's no like countryside area. You just like leave the city gates and then you're you get given a menu. Mm-hmm. So it, it made traveling uh, to place different places uh, a lot easier and. Yeah, it was able to expand the story as well because it didn't. It wasn't just like, okay, here's three targets, go and do them, and then we'll give you some story. Like they could weave the story into the actual like gameplay as well. Uh, but yeah, I just really liked Assassin's Creed 2. I thought it was a very good game, and it's the type of game that um, every time I play it, I'll I'll hundred percent it. Mm-hmm. I've got. I think I got most of the achievements on the 360 version apart from one, which I didn't know how to do, but I did get the Platinum Trophy on the PS4 version when I figured out how to get the one trophy I couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 uh, easy enough Platinum, the only problem is you do have to collect 100 feathers. Yeah. Not as bad and as having to get all the flags in Assassin's Creed 1. No. That but it's still having hell. to travel between like six different maps. And if you like, if you're following like an online map, but you've already collected like thirty of them, 
it can oh, make for some God. confusing. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, I just think the fighting's a lot smoother in Assassin's Creed 2. It's all not to compare it to Arkham Asylum, because it's not similar, but it's kind of like it's the same sort of idea where like one guard will attack you and you've got to like guard or attack back. It's like one guard will come at you and attack almost like a movie scene. Like you you'll rarely have two guards attack you at the same time. Because the whole like uh system is basically based on countering their attacks if you're not being sneaky and that and to be fair sneaking is kind of my jam yeah i just think assassin's creed 2 blew the first game out of the water but uh, i've never finished brotherhood and that kind of kind of uh kind of kind of it ended my sort of affinity for assassin's creed i like brotherhood i've just never been able to finish it I don't think it's as interesting as 2 was, mm-hmm. despite having the same main character. And I do constantly want to go back and play Brotherhood and play Revolutions and play 3 and play Black Flag and all the ones I've missed. Because basically I went from Assassin's Creed 2 to half of Brotherhood to Origins. But Origins is like a completely... Origins and Origins are completely different kettles of fish. Like Assassin's Creed 2 isn't even a fish. Wow. You know what? You might be right. Yeah. I didn't um, think of it until now. But I've, I think one thing that always stuck with me is, again, I just think the writing's fun as well. They could have <laughs> had a lot of fun. Um, it's just, just a more likable character overall. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, bad stuff happens to Ezio, like, early on in the game. But instead of being this, so, like, super, like, brooding, like, I'm going to get my revenge kind of guy, he's still affable. He's still likable. It's just now he's got a bit of edge to him. And it, and it works. Um, I think as the game went on, he got more and more serious because the game takes place over 20 years. So by the end of the game, he's like in his 40s and a lot more he's serious. 22. Yeah, yeah. Well, you do literally... Actually, you do literally start off playing as him as a baby because you have to press the button. Like, you see... like. Because the first scene where you see Ezio is him being born, and you have to press a button to make him like punch the air. Uh, so technically, the game takes place over, you know, his entire first half of his life. Yeah. Um, but the main chunk of it is like basically from when he's like a teenager until he's uh, the leader of the assassins in Italy. Uh, but yeah, I just think you know, setting's really good. Uh, all the real history stuff I'm really into. All the fake history stuff. There's like I'm pretty sure like one of the puzzles reveals something like uh, Hitler and Winston Churchill were at, secretly working together because they're both Templars. Yeah, there's a lot of like there's a lot of really strange concepts that really only work in a game like Assassin's Creed. Yeah, because like um, Gandhi was assassinated because he had a piece of Eden and stuff like that. By the Templars. See, they, they didn't go as far as try and claim Gandhi was a bad person. <laughs> Gandhi um, was an assassin. I don't even think he's, he was an assassin. He just had a piece of Eden and he used it um, to influence people. Yeah, so Assassin's Creed 2 overall is just a very, very good game. I'm going to put it in fourth place just behind Mass Effect 2. It's not allowed. Yeah. 
Um, honestly, this might be something I change later on. I might put it ahead of Mass Effect 2. It, um, mm. It's one of those things where, like, no. they're both very good. No, I'm going to do it. Assassin's Creed 2 is going up to third. Oh. Uh, just because Mass Effect 2 is great, but I've replayed Assassin's Creed 2 more. I, I, I think I said this uh, last week. If I had played Mass Effect 2 more recently, it would probably be near the top. It's just, I have more vivid memories of Assassin's Creed 2. I have more happy memories yeah. of just completing the game. Yeah, um, that's what I'm going to sit with. Assassin's Creed 2 is currently my third favourite game of all time. Currently? Yeah, there's st- we've I've only got nine games on the list. Oh, then we're finished. There's st- yeah, our top 100 will be nine games long. Yep. The the list just repeats. So even though Assassin's Creed 2 is the third best game on the list, it's also like the 33rd worst game on the list. I know. And that's the that's the that's the correct place for it. <laughs> it is the best worst game. No, it is the it is worst best game and the best worst game. Yes. No, it is very good. And I I love it. So are you ready? Sure. For your game. I couldn't be any more me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to have to talk about Battlefield Bad Company 2. Oh. Um, so here's a funny thing. I don't remember too much about Battlefield Bad Company 2. Um, it was... I had it on the 360. I remember it was really, really good. It was a... Uh, it was a battlefield game, so obviously there was a lot of like large scale fighting. Um, the single player was like. I thought it was a game about hugs. You were correct. If hugs were done with bullet and gun, or not? Um, so there's a lot of um, uh, what is it called? Uh, destructible environments with battlefield. So my favorite thing about the campaign was there was a couple of missions where you'd be. It was a very sort of typical war game, but. There's a lot of like set pieces where it was set up for something really cool to happen. So there's one mission where you hole up in a a couple of houses and there's enemies coming towards you and you shoot them away and you're like, yeah, this feels great. And then a tank comes along and it shoots mm-hmm. the bottom floor of the house and co- like causes the house you're in to collapse and you've got to get out of the house before it destroys it. In the same vein, later on, you can use like explosives to blow holes in walls to get to enemies inside the house without having to go through the door and then obviously the, it stretched into the multiplayer on as well where there's a lot there was a lot of a like call of duty and stuff at the time a lot of people who would take advantageous positions is the nice way of saying that they would just sit in a corner and if you ran into that room you had to be basically god tier at reacting or pre-firing around a corner to hit this person if you knew they were there. If not, odds are you would just be killed. But Battlefield, especially with like a lot of their games, like more recently, have really upped the amount of destructible environment they put in the game. So you could you could run into a house and get shot by somebody who was sitting in a corner. And then you could respawn, walk up to that corner on the outside of the house, slap a C4 on it, move back, blow that wall off and deal with the guy inside it if he didn't die to the explosion already. And it really added like a whole a whole huge difference to how 
like that kind of multiplayer shooter was played because there was the like the battlefield multiplayer has a lot of like cooperative vehicles i'd call them like they're one person has to be designated driver they can't shoot or anything they just have to drive but then you hmm. could have vehicles that had like portholes on the side so you could shoot your gun out of it some would have mounted vehicles you had helicopters planes um and if you died you could respawn into them if they were available but on top of that were the classes that you could play as so you had the assault class which was just your typical soldier kind of class uh the medic class could obviously give teammates back health pick them up off the ground i think they had a revive i'm not sure if it was in bad company too um i think there's one called recon which was all about like sniping and marking targets and then there was the engineer who had a blowtorch and one of the coolest things you could do especially in games like that was if there was an enemy vehicle like a tank driving about you could walk up to the back with your blowtorch and use the blowtorch on it usually the blowtorch would be used to fix your vehicle like you'd have to jump out and blowtorch the vehicle and you'd fix it from all the damage it taken but you could blowtorch the enemy vehicle and do a ton of damage and kick everyone out of it and it was just a really fun change because i got it after I believe I got it after Modern Warfare. I'm just going to check the dates, because I didn't get it when it came out. Um, yeah. I'm just checking the date that Modern Warfare 2 came out, because I got Modern Warfare 2 pretty soon after its release. It came out in November 2009, and I probably would have played that for about a year. Yeah, because um, Battlefield came out in March 2010, so I probably didn't get Bad Company 2 until towards the end of 2010, so it had been out for a while. So when I started it, there was a lot of people who'd already had a few months of playing it and were a lot better than me. But the nice thing about it was, was the pace was a bit slower because obviously the maps were way grander and mm. they put in more realistic physics with like shooting a sniper rifle. Obviously the bullet would drop after a while. Um, You had to get used to like maps of massive size and debating whether or not an area was smart to move into on foot or in vehicle. Because if you move in on foot, slightly less noticeable. But if somebody sees you, you've got less protection. And in a vehicle, more protection. But everyone knows you're coming towards them. And I ended up spending a lot more time in it because it was just more of a nice pace. Like, I'd, I know I play a lot of Call of Duty and stuff at the moment, but sometimes it is nicer to play a shooter that's slower paced so that you... You have to put more sort of tactics into it rather than just running and gunning. I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with running gun, but sometimes you just want you just want to change you the want pace. To think. Yeah, like sometimes you want to feel like you've outsmarted someone on a battlefield rather than I shot first, which doesn't even always work. Sometimes you shoot first and they kill you because they've just got a better aim. Mm. Um, but my favorite game mode was options. Yes, my favorite game mode was options. Uh, no, it was a. Uh, it's called Conquest. It's like the normal Battlefield. It's like the most well-known Battlefield um, game mode. And basically there's like a bunch of flags. So it's kind of like you hold a point. But you have to capture the flag. And if that one, like you, you have a certain amount of lives as well. And they're, well, they're called tickets. And once a team starts to take, once a team has more than half of the flags on the map, the tickets that your team has will tick down. Um, every time you die, you take one ticket to respawn back in. So, so I think you both start with maybe 200. So it sounds like you could die a lot, 
but a lot of people die obviously rushing for the sort of middle ground maps because you'll get uh, flags even because you get flags that start on your side of the battlefield so every team gets like one to two flags for free then it's the sort of uphill push for both teams to push into the other flags and if your team's lucky enough to capture it you've then got to hold it um and obviously if you're holding it and die like if your team has more flags like you've got over half the enemy teams they're gonna start ticking down which means they've got less revives uh, less respawns but then if you die a lot if you and your team die a lot protecting one then they take it you start to lose yours as well and it can very quickly swing in the opposite direction um it also led to things like you'd have a ragtag group of complete nutcases who at the start of the match would jump into a vehicle and go straight over to the enemy side of the map and start taking the flag that they spawned on when they move away from it so then the enemy is like oh no we have to turn around or we're gonna lose it and then it just it ends up becoming it starts off super tactical you've got vehicles moving in formation you've got like snipers up high and like medics and stuff here there and everywhere dotted about like groups of people and by the end of the game you've got one guy like stood off in the middle of a bush 18 miles away with a pistol you've got a tank sat on top of a flag with three men standing on top of it it's absolutely mad mm -hmm. but i think the thing of it was was the scale like the like it's typical of battlefield but the maps are absolutely freaking huge but one of the cool things was their dog tag system actually now that i remember it if you stabbed an enemy to death with your knife you would take their dog tags off them and when it's like um you know like in rocket league how you have like your title and your card and your picture stuff like that yeah the dog tags were basically battlefield's version of that but when you killed somebody with your knife you took their dog tags off them and you could go into your um like inventory in the main menu and look at all it would have like the player's gamer tag and it would show you everyone that you'd stabbed in the game as like a little sort of ah look this guy got caught off guard and i snuck up behind him kind of thing mm. and it was really cool but the funniest thing that's cool the funniest thing in that game was their anti-cheat software was called punk buster <laughs> <laughs> i'm like you know what i'm i'm down with it but no, I think like I think the thing with Bad Company too as well is like the campaign, all the characters in it were awesome. They were I don't this is gonna sound bad. They were all super memorable, but I don't remember any of them because I've not played it since like twenty eleven. Um Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like I just remember having a lot of fun. There was a lot of super cool set pieces in the campaign. You could play it sort of so many different ways as well, because you could rejig your loadout so you could have different weapons. Um, and then in the campaign, obviously, you have the one guy. So, like, the game did become sort of a... What's the word? It's kind of like, a, not a meta game, where, like, certain weapons were just better. Like, this, like, I, you get that with, like, Call of Duty and stuff. Certain weapons are just strong because of balancing. But I feel like yeah. in older games, like Battlefield and stuff, you could use any weapon you wanted. It just came down to what was good for you. Like, mm -hmm. I, I was never very good at sort of using big spraying weapons like LMGs and stuff. I was always really good at using high accuracy weapons. It's like sniper rifles or a well-controlled assault rifle or something. And the game allowed you, because it was so big and the maps were so vast, it allowed you to play any type of 
class build that you wanted. And I think that's why I liked it more. Just because there was a lot of freedom to do what you wanted, how you wanted. Mm. Also, it was released on the Kindle Fire in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a couple of... Because I've never played uh, any of the Battlefields, but... Um, first question is, can love bloom on Battlefield by Company 2? Yes. And the second question is, uh, is so Battlefield's quite famous for having like huge squads of soldiers. Was that still the case for Bad Company 2? Yes. Um, <clears throat> I don't remember how many people there was in each team, but there was, I'd say at least, in the, in the modes that I played, you'd get at least 20 to 30 people per team, which, which back then was back then huge. For a console game, absolutely. Yeah. But I think like the thing that helped, obviously there was quite long load times because the maps were so big, but I think because the map was so big, it would be the kind of thing where, you know, if you're at one side and someone's at the other, you're not going to shoot a bullet and hit them from there. I think it would despawn a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not despawn them, but just like, you know, lower the, the sort of resolution on them so it didn't have to load it in fully. And then... You know, when you're in a plane and stuff, it doesn't need to load in everything. It can just sort of give you the general... Like, I, I bet if you go back and watch gameplay of it, there'll be a lot you can see that they did to sort of lower the amount of memory used because there was a lot of players in it. So that's a lot of shooting, a lot of explosions, a lot of stuff going on at once for an Xbox 360. So it's probably a lot of stuff that they did to not cut corners, but sort of make it easier on the game to run make it playable yeah but they're they did allow a lot of people at once that's cool as for where i would place it on my list i'd probably say above lego star wars but below skyrim okay i'm just gonna put that on my list in eighth place yes and i almost wrote down battlefront again battlefront bedfield 2 (laughs) all right um We'll take a short break uh, just to make sure the files are all good. For you guys, it'll just be 30 seconds, so enjoy the music, and we'll see you in then. In then. So, we're back. So, we are back. How does that make you feel? Honestly, I'm a little bit conflicted. Well, don't be, because I've got a wheel for you. Oh my god, this one button! You've got the video game... Oh, video game. Tetris. <laughs> Just Tetris. Just Tetris. Okay, so this is going to be a quite a short one, because everyone knows Tetris. Yeah, uh, explain Tetris to me like I'm four years old. Okay, so... But I'm like an intelligent four-year-old. <laughs> so Tetris is the probably the most famous game ever made. It is... Um, 
Are you taking away from Pets Cats 3 the most famous game of all time? Yes. <laughs> okay, I just have to be sure. If Pets Cats 3 was Pets Tetris 3, Tets we'd be having this discussion. Cats 3. <laughs> um, so Tetris... I don't need to explain Tetris. It's the game where the fallen blocks, you put them into lines, they go away, get four lines cleared in a row. That's a Tetris. There, it yes. comes in many varieties, um, but this is just classic uh, Tetris on the Game Boy, uh, which we in this household had two copies of because a copy came of my sister's Game Boy and a copy came of my Game Boy. Nice. So, a lot of my early gaming memories revolve around Tetris. Now, there's another game on the list where I considered replacing Tetris with that game. However, I kind of went back and forth and realized that I like both of, the, both of these games um, for different reasons. And when that game pops up, it'll make a lot of sense. But for this Tetris, it was just one of the first um, games I ever played. Played a lot of it. And ne like, and it's one of those games I just constantly played. Like, whenever I'm just really bored, I'll play Tetris. I remember, I don't remember which website it was, but they introduced like an arcade section, and part of that arcade section was they had a Tetris with a leaderboard. And for about a solid month, I worked to get myself number one on that leaderboard, and I eventually managed, and then didn't play Tetris for a year, and I was still number one on their website. <laughs> not that I'm particularly good at Tetris it was just a very small website but now nah, there's just something about the simplicity of Tetris that really works in its favour because you just look at the game and you understand what you have to do yeah Tetris also had really good music yes I was I think I always went for type 2 music I was very I, I'm different from most people just you know have they the music. That's not no. me. You gotta go for it. Was it B? I'm sure it was Tetris B music that was the one that was like. Oh, no, no, no. I, no I'm not that one either. Oh, you're not like. No. It's like really fast. No, there's like one that's sort of almost organy. Oh god, you went for like final boss battle music for Tetris. Yes. I picked the final boss music and you know what? I became the final boss when I was four years old. Although um, the song I'm thinking of might have just been on the NES version and I might be getting my memories mixed up. Doesn't matter. Music's good. Game's good. Game Boy was good. I had a red one. It's Tetris. Like what yeah, more do I need it, to say? it definitely is. Is Tetris? It is Tetris. It's the kind of game where you can just go and play it whenever you feel like. Yeah, like it's not. What am I thinking of? It's not like a big sweeping story. It's not something you have to be like. I have to dedicate time to go play this. But it's also not no. a game that you have to learn a bunch of incredibly difficult controls. I think that it had no, unless you want maybe, to be really good. I think like it had like two masters. controls, right? It was direction and spin. Yeah. I mean, there was obviously some quote-unquote advanced tactics where you could spin the piece like on top of something. 
just to kind of like buy yourself an extra couple of seconds. Yeah, I'm be honest, like, not very good at Tetris. I'm I'm really bad at it. You can take like the T, like there's T spins as well, which sort of allow you to do things that look impossible. If you ever want to see high level Tetris, um, Summer Games done quick a few years ago had a mm-hmm. Grand Master Tetris block. Watch it; it's insane. Awesome. There's a mode where you like you don't see the pieces fall. They just know what pieces are going to fall when. Yeah. Because uh, it, move, it moves so fast and they manage it like without making a mistake. It's insane. But yeah, uh, Tetris, I put in eighth place. I can't say much more about Tetris. It's Tetris. It's good. Let's move on. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing about Tetris for me as well is that it's it's so iconic. Yeah. Like, like everyone knows Tetris. To, what was it? Do you remember the meme? where they were debating what character was going to show up in Smash Brothers next, and somebody put the L block from Tetris, and then people went out and made, like, actual full-on fan art of the L block fighting in Tetris. Yeah. It was... Like it, like you said, it's probably the most well-known game of all time, to the point where it's, it's on everything. It's the best selling game of all time. Yeah, like, it's on every console... It's on every mobile device. I'm pretty sure you can get Tetris for, like, your fridge. It's called doing the shopping. (laughs) That's the thing, though, is, like, it's even become, like, even people who don't play games, it's become a part of the norm for them as well. Like, when you see people try to, like, shove things in their cupboard, they'll be like, oh, it's just like Tetris. And, like, obviously, obviously our parents played Tetris. Uh, my, My mother actually is Tetris. Wow. Well, yeah. I'm glad to put your mother on my list. That makes it sound like you're going to assassinate my mom. <laughs> and you're happy about it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Tetris is Tetris. And when are we getting the Tetris movie? We're supposed to be getting a Tetris trilogy. What's happened to that? It, there's been no <laughs> word of that since it was announced. Well, I want the Tetris movie. Here's the problem. Um, They had all the parts of it filmed, but when they lined them up, they disappeared. Oh. Don't you hate it when that happens? Yeah. Anyway, I spun your wheel. I... Excitement. And the next game to talk about for you is Splinter Cell Blacklist. Ooh. I think that's all I have to say on it. (laughs) I mean, it's Splinter Cell Blacklist. What's what's to say? Yeah, it's a Everyone's classic. played it. You line up all the pieces. <laughs> <laughs> so with uh, Blacklist, like I like all the Splinter Cell games. I played a lot of like Double Agent. I played, oh, what was that one called? Double Agent. That was the one. Because like me, uh, and my li- uh, my little brother got a couple of Splinter Cell games when he got his Xbox, and me and him played them together. I had Conviction as well, but Blacklist was totally different it was way more modern obviously it came out in 2013 and they really upped the stealth in it uh, i'm just looking up to make sure it's the right one yep that was also the one that had uh the spies versus mercs mode which was a multiplayer mode where like you'd have to hack computer stations and people had to try and stop you but it was cool because the hackers would ha- like you could climb and hang off of things you could like hide in vents, climb around walls and hang off of them, hide in the dark and it gets really tense, but it's also really funny because sometimes, like, 
people would expect you to be brilliant, right? People would expect you to have stealth tactics and they'd like you'd have people when you're hacking you'd have people come in and shine their light in every dark corner being like where are you i won a game by literally just standing out behind a door in the room and the guy came in and was checking like all the little crawl spaces um he like ran through the room like he didn't bother checking the most obvious place which was being in the corner of the room where the light was on and because he didn't pay attention to that i got away with it so like occasionally you'd have super incredible smart people who would like they'd start a hack in one location and then they would stop and run away so that it would show up that the hack had stopped. So then people would run to that room to be like, oh no, it's being hacked. Then you'd have someone move into a different spot and you'd basically just try and pull them apart. Um, you'd also have like occasionally get into a gunfight and get shot and killed and you'd be like, oh, well, it's rude. But it was it was like Assassin's Creed multiplayer where occasionally you would get really cool, in-depth, like, stealth. And sometimes you would get he who brain fool slide into room and somehow get away with it. And obviously there was a single player, which was... A, it was a Splinter Cell game, honestly. It was about what you'd expect. There's a lot of, like, stealth play to the game. Otherwise it wouldn't be Splinter Cell. Um... The co-op multiplayer was pretty funny though, because you could knock somebody out and carry their body, and then if you got if you got caught, you could just throw the body, <laughs> just lob a man, just <laughs> for the fun of it. Um, you could also blow your own cover by knocking out a guy and throwing him through a window, and then the loud smashing would alert people in the nearby area, which I wouldn't recommend unless you're really trying just to be foolish. But sometimes you just got to. You just gotta. You just gotta do it. But no, there's not a lot I can say about Blacklist. It was a Splinter Cell game. Like, if you've played one, you'll know what it's like. It's just more updated. You had a couple of cooler gadgets. The There's a word that I'm thinking of, and I can't... Like, I'm having that problem today. Sauerkraut. Um, yes, the sauerkraut. Really sour. Not enough kraut. <laughs> that means... Um, no, like, the stealth that was fine. The, the story was a very Splinter Cellish story where you've got betrayals and stealth and you got to try and stop a villain from doing villainous things like you always do i think the reason that i put blacklist on it was because i played a lot of the spies versus mercs with my friends and it was really funny just sometimes like you you'd go into a game with one of two mentalities you'd go into it being let's really try and just like ace this let's not get discovered because obviously you get more points the less you're discovered the less you die and whatnot so you'd be like, let's go into it, try and do this, like, utmost stealth. And sometimes you'd be like, do I just stand out in the middle of the room and see if they even notice? Like, <laughs> let's just go in and try and kill them first. Like, because you'd have people who would, like, climb along pipes and drop down on top of the, not the humans, the mercs, as they're trying not to, like, humans. defend. Yeah, the humans. Because everyone knows that Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell is not a human. It's actually the main <laughs> character's name is Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell. Um... But yeah, it was like you you could just have a lot of fun with it. Um and it was like it's not it's not Metal Gear Solid, but I'd say it's one of the best stealth games that you can play. And this is something I've like noticed that's odd about me, because I really like stealth games. We'll talk about that later. I've never played a Splinter Cell. Really? Uh it's like you'd think it would be one hundred percent my jam. I've just never had a Splinter Cell game. 
is one of those things. I mean, that's fair, to be honest. There's, like, obviously Tom Clancy's got a lot of new things now, like Rainbow Six Siege. Well, he doesn't, because obviously Tom Clancy passed away, but, like, as a... Brand. As a brand, they've pushed more into Siege and whatnot. I don't know if they're planning on releasing a new Splinter Cell game. They put Sam Fisher in one of them, and they sort of, like... I've not played it, but I've seen someone play the like the le- like the the mission with Sam Fisher, and they sort of like acknowledge the fact that he- all the other like stealth legends have gone away because like Mega Sol is over, something else is over, and then but he- it's definitely like presented him as like an old man at this point. He's like in his sixties. Yeah, well, they um, Ubisoft so- said um. Like, the creative director said that there was a new Splinter Cell game in development, and then Ubisoft said he was obviously joking when he said that. So I don't think we're getting a new Splinter Cell game. And to be fair, even if Ubisoft had announced that there was a Splinter Cell game coming, doesn't guarantee a Splinter Cell game is coming. Where the hell is Beyond Good and Evil 2? (laughs) (laughs) I'm, like, they showed, like, trailers of that, like, three years ago. Concept art, all this stuff. That game's never coming out. It's let's not. Just, let's just get that out there. If I that game comes out, that would be a bigger shock to me than Final Fantasy VII Remake happening. Anyway. So yeah, um, Blacklist was just a fun stealth game to play. I I wouldn't say it's the best game of all time. I just had a lot of fun with it. I feel like if I didn't, if I didn't have access to Xbox Live, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. It was also one of those things that, like, a couple of YouTube channels that I really liked had a couple of series of people playing it, which were really funny because they were intentionally bad sometimes, and then other times were accidentally bad, <laughs> and it made it more amusing to watch and play. But no, I'd say overall, if I was to put it on my list anywhere, it'd probably be under Lego Star Wars. All right, so it'd be in tenth place at the moment. Like, it's not a bad game; it's just it's just a game. It's just a fun game to play. I think we've still got time. Let's let's keep going. Yeah, let's do another one. Yeah. So I will spin your wheel. Spin my wheel. You got right Splinter Cell Blacklist. All <laughs> right, then. cool. I've never played it. Number one. Um, you got Theater Rhythm. Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm. Um, Curtain Call. Curtain Call. Oh, I love this game so much. Right, so be surprised uh, if you hated it because it's on your list. <laughs> No, but like I'm emphasizing that I love this game a lot. Uh, I lost my original copy of it and then bought a new one almost immediately um, because this is the type of game that the 3DS is built for. So uh, if you don't know what Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy Curtain Call is, it's a sequel to Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy, which is a rhythm game with songs from the Final Fantasy series. Now, the first Theater Rhythm only had about 60 or so Final Fantasy songs. Uh, was one winged angel in there obviously (laughs) had to make sure you know what they can be like sometimes with these games true but the sequel current call came with about 220 songs oh Um, and they added more like uh songs from side games and even advent children so there's like the advent children version of one winged angel there's songs from crisis core there's songs from final fantasy adventure there's songs from tactics you can, and so basically, there's like three different game modes, and all it is is you're basically you're tapping the screen or tapping and holding the button on the screen for the duration of a note or um, stuff like that. 
And there's three different modes. There's battle, there's field, and then there's event. Mm-hmm. So battle is probably the main uh, section of the game. And it's basically any like battle themes uh, from the games. When you go in, that you pick a party of um, little like uh, cutesy, chibi versions of Final Fantasy characters. There's like a hundred of them to choose from. Um, they all have their different stats and abilities. And when you go into a battle, it's, again, it's kind of similar to, like, a Guitar Hero, but on its side. Like, the note, the notes will come on, like, a, uh, what do you call it, like, a rail? Like, it'll come towards the character, and you've got to tap it in time or hold it in time. And then if you do it successfully, that the character whose lane it is will do an attack. So and what you're saying is enemies... it's an on-the-rail shooter game. Yes. Got it's it. It's basically... <laughs> It's basically a rhythm RPG. Which is a really cool concept. Yeah. I think it works really well. Because uh, you, you level up. You get up to level 99 and stuff like that. You get items. If I remember uh, rightly, it was super well received, wasn't it? Yes. To the point, I think they I think they made a Dragon Quest one, but I've never played Dragon Quest, and I think that might be in Japan only. But, the, like, no, it, it's a very... The only reason Good. that I know it was well received was because I remember, I don't know if it was the release of it or if it was sometime after the release, but I went into a game where, uh, well, it was like in town, where I was going in to just have a look for what I might want to play. And there was a lot of, like, I say a lot, I'd say there was like 10 people in there, like in the shop in general, and I'm going to say about six of them asked about theater rhythm. And the guy behind the counter was like, we don't have any left. I was so like, it's w- one of those games that they probably didn't expect to sell well, like especially the first one. They didn't expect to sell well and because it, it was well received and people like Final Fantasy. Yeah. Like, But like the sequel basically is that, but three times larger. Um, so yeah, in battle mode. So the, the battle music will play, you know, like One Winged Angel. Um... And, you know, the notes will come in rhythm to the song. Enemies will pop up on the other side of the screen. You fight a bunch of them, and then the boss of that level will come up. So, in One Winged Angel, it'll be, say, for Sephiroth. If you're playing one from Final Wait, Fantasy Wait, One Winged Angel was for Sephiroth? Yes. <laughs> Spoilers. No. <laughs> I didn't even know he was in that game. That Final um, Fantasy game. Well, I'm about, to spo- <laughs> I'm about to spoil a lot more about the other like in if it's like a um the Ultimacia's castle in Final Fantasy VIII, the boss will be Ultimacia. No way. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff like stuff like like you know, if it's if the the song matches an enemy in or like the level Luke matches an enemy in the game, chances are they've recreated the boss for uh the rhythm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of cool. They've put a lot of effort into um Adding a lot of like the monsters and uh, bosses from these uh, games. In the field mode, you again have a team of four, but this time it's not about your strength; it's about your speed. And the music will generally be your like airship themes or your world map themes. And you go around a sort of like overview of that game's world, and you're just like trotting along. And occasionally a Moogle might fly over and give you a, a present. You'll end the level and there might be a fat chocobo there to give you an item. Oh. Um, but all the, the 
but you're judged on how far you get and the more you're like the bigger your combo your streak your note hit combo is the faster you'll go and all that and then there's the event ones which kind of mm, and they're not amazing they're just basically uh you'll see a cutscene like one of the fmv cutscenes from a game and you've got a or it'd be like a highlight a montage of the cutscenes from a game set to like maybe like the ending song or the intro song or whatever and it's just basically your it's your basic uh 3ds rhythm game like if you played elite meet agents it's just that um it's not as interesting as the other two modes uh, but yeah, there's just like so much stuff to collect. There's, uh, like I say, there's well over 100 characters from just about every Final Fantasy game that had been released up to that point. Uh, so this came out before 15. Um, so it had like, it even had a song from like Lightning Returns. It had, I think that was the most recent Final Fantasy at that point. Um, like Final Fantasy 14 as well. Uh, yeah, it's just the song collection is incredible. Obviously, they've managed to fit in every single iconic Final Fantasy song and then some more. Well that's what I was gonna say is like the thing about Final Fantasy is like obviously the games are great. Like no one is denying that. The music I'd say the music makes the games as good as they are. I mean like people rag on Final Fantasy thirteen and fair You kinda get it. But, like, the music on Final Fantasy XIII is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that is the post-Uematsu era. But, no, it's just an amazing collection of songs. The gameplay's fun. As a Final Fantasy fan, I appreciate all the little details, all the kind of obscure characters they've thrown in. Because, like, most of the main games have about at least four or five characters representing them. So, like, uh, Final Fantasy XII will have Van, Balthier... Ash and Fran, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly. Nine has like uh, Zidane, Garnet, Quina, Vivi, Kuja. Like, it's a good selection of like both heroes and villains you get to play as. The songs are great. There was even some DLC, and they added in the greatest song in Final Fantasy history. And if you want to know, if you want to hear the greatest song in Final Fantasy history, search on YouTube for. Crazy Chocobo from Final Fantasy Thirteen Two. Oh God! It is the heavy metal version yep. of the Chocobo theme. It is the greatest song ever, and it's the only piece of TLC I bought for that game. I have a question: Does okay. the victory fanfare feature anywhere in that game? Yeah. So when you beat a level, you'll get a victory fanfare. Do you have to play the fanfare, or does it just play? No. Ah, it would have been cool if like the final hit was like. To be fair, the victory fanfare. I hope it changes depending on what game the level was based on. It does not. Ah, I mean, I get obviously that's a lot more work for them, but it would have been cool if they had done that. Because the victory fanfare is just the one single for finishing the level. Because each game has its own accompaniment of the the victory fanfare. My favourite one yeah. is still the one from uh, 12. It's not great and you barely hear it because <laughs> you're too busy running away from dinosaurs. But, uh, like, the thing about Theorism is I never got it, but it was always one of those games that I was like, if I do find it and I have the funds to spare, I probably would have got it and played it. Mm-hmm. But 
it does seem to be oh excuse me it does seem to be one of those like very big fan favorites yeah it's probably my favorite uh final fantasy side game um although i've not played a couple of big side games that people like um such as tactics or tactics advance <laughs> um that's the thing. Theo Rhythm is a very good rhythm game. It kind of takes the Elite Beat Agents formula and makes it uh, RPG and a lot of fun. I like Elite Beat Agents a lot, but Final Fantasy is one of my favorite series of all time. I grew up playing these games and playing a game based around the music of Final Fantasy um, All Final Fantasies, not just seven, but um, it's just a very cool experience for me you know they need to do uh, yeah what like they did theater rhythm for final fantasy they need to do jet set fantasy jet set radio but final fantasy and by that i mean just take the main character at jet set radio and make him sephiroth <laughs> <laughs> sephiroth uh, and skates <laughs> so i'm going to put theorism ah uh, see we're, we're starting to hit the point where it's like where do I put this game for me the way I do it is I start at the bottom of my list and then go up until I find a game that I can decisively say was more enjoyable or higher like better for me yeah no I've done that but like I want to put it like I'm, it's definitely above thug is above Mass Effect 2. I I can't decide if it's better. Like, I'm going to put it below Assassin's Creed 2, but just know I reserve the right to change it whenever I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice to think about these lists is we could literally start the next episode by being like, yeah, we changed the list entirely. We're not going to, but we technically could. That's been over half an hour. Do you want to call it there or one more? Let's do one more. Okay. Then in that case, I'm going to spin the wheel with my mind. And you can't prove that I didn't. Well, this is fitting. It's Final Fantasy XV. Oh, shit. I have a lot to say about that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't... Like, fifteen was one of those games that I was excited for. Like, a lot. I streamed a lot of me playing it actually i remember being a bit unwell like i had like the flu and i was playing it a little bit and it was it was one of those things where i didn't know what to expect when it was coming out but i knew i'd enjoy it mm-hmm. um getting to learn like getting to meet and learn all the different characters from it i don't know it was one of those things where i was like if i don't like these characters going in it's probably gonna be a bit of a problem yeah. Uh, I never, like, I played played too much of 12. I didn't enjoy 13, so I didn't finish it. And I had very slightly breezed over Final Fantasy 14 because it was online. So I was like, I was tentative because obviously 13 hadn't been super great. But I was excited because it was like a new generation uh, console for it. I was like, they could do a lot with it. And then the thing for me was, the the thing that sold it for me was the opening scene where you fight balling well, like, uh, Sephiroth. Yeah, you just immediately start by beating the shit out of Sephiroth. And 
he's like, no, you're not Cloud, and Noctis is like, no, but I'm equally as sad all the time. And Sephiroth's like, I, I dig it. See you later. And then he just disappears. It's so weird. <laughs> it's really, really meta. It really is. Um, No, so like, the, it starts with you fighting this huge... Uh, actually, no, before that, we'll say they released the demo for it. Do you remember? And the demo was basically the opening of the game. Um, I didn't play the demo, but I believe you did? Yes. And you Because you it. got, like, did I stream it? Or did you record it? I, I remember seeing you playing it. Or maybe it was I re you recorded, recorded a, it. I recorded a bit of the actual game on one of the old projects that I did. Uh, I but think... I never oh, me and Siobhan recorded it as well. But I think it was Siobhan that played it. Um, yeah. We... I, I, yeah, I remember that now. Like, that was that sold it for me. Like, after playing that, I was like, yeah, this is going to be fun. Like, it basically plays up to the point where you fight Ifrit at the start. And, you, like, it doesn't give you any context for it. You're just kind of there. You got your squad of boys, and they're like, watch out. It's that. And you're like, what the hell is that, though? And they're like, shut up and get out of the way. So you shut up and get out of the way. Then it, like, cuts back in time. Which automatically, right? Puts the fear in me, and I'm like, oh no. Eventually, I'm gonna play so much of this game that I'm gonna forget about that moment. And then that moment's gonna start happening. And I'm gonna be like, hmm, here we go. So, the game is very, um, very different in playstyle to any other Final Fantasy, I'd say. Yeah. Like, the warping system was really cool, where you could leap from, like, you could throw your weapon and, like, teleport to it. Like, the combat was just really fun, very fluid. Uh, it also allowed you to use different weapons, and you had your squad of boys with you. The story is fairly depressing, though. Like, the the main character has three... What are they days called? to live. Yeah, three days to live. Um, They're called the... Are they the Kingsglaive? Or is that... Is that their title? I can never remember. They're like... like the Because he's not the king. Yeah, yet. he's like... He's, he's like supposed to be... Like, he's yeah. he's the prince. I think they're... They're basically his guardians. Yeah, they're basically, like, his best friends slash... They're, like, crown guard, I guess. Mm. Where they're, like, Noctis is the prince. And he... He's, like, the crown... Pl 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 crown... Pl <laughs> clown prince of Clime. <laughs> he's the crown <laughs> prince of the area that they live in, which I think is called Lucis. And there's an invasion by the bad and the bad come in and they 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 do the kill to his dad and he's like no quick um, question in the film was his dad not played by Sean Bean I believe so that might be I wrong know, but I never I'm, watched the film but I'm, I feel like I remember <laughs> as soon as I heard that the king was going to be played by Sean Bean in the film I was like okay he dead. Uh, yes, Sean Bean did play his dad in that. I just yeah. Up. Yep, yep. So that's how you know he's going to die. Um, <laughs> so his his dad has done the kill by the bad, and the bad people then, they like, they kind of push them out. Like, um, there's... Uh, I don't know if they actually have, like, a, I'm just going to call them, like, the crown guard, because that's kind of what their job is. I don't know if they have, like, an official title, but it's basically his three best friends, um, Gladio, Ignis, and Prompto. And the four of them... Prompto's not technically a guard, he's just there. Yeah, Prompto's just kind of like their friend who ends up becoming yeah. a guard by proxy of guarding the body. <laughs> like, he just ends up being... He's just there. He's also 
one of the most adorable characters in any game ever. And he shares my love of Chocobos, so I, I, could, I was always going to love him. The thing about the group of four of them is that they all have really different personalities that all work well together. Yeah. Noctis has, like, the I'm burdened by glorious purpose kind of edgy teenager vibe at the start of the game, which you can kind of get because he just wants to have fun, and next thing you know, his dad is stabbed, um, his girlfriend, well, his fiance is shuggled away, and he's kicked out of his nice big home, and also he has to be the king, but can't because he's small. And worst of all, his car breaks down. And his car breaks down. Um, Gladio is like the big, buff, sword-wielding, very... Not, is righteous the word? I wouldn't... What's the word? How would you describe Gladio? Like, I know the word. I mean, he's basically just like... He's unending in his... Like, loyalty, I guess. Like, he will fight anyone and anything in order to do what's right kind of guy. But he also takes absolutely no crap from anyone. Which, if you remember the scene on the train, was really the big sort of point for me. When Noctis is all, boohoo, woe is me, everyone I love is dead. And Gladio's like, yeah, we know, shut up and do your job. And Noctis is like, you don't understand. And he's like, I don't care, just do your job. And Noctis is like, okay, yeah, you're kind of right. Ignis is the sort of tactical advisor kind. Um, Recipe! Very knowledgeable. Good chef. Recipe. <laughs> Nice, good noise. Thank you. Um, so Ignis is like the... He's the one who I feel like acts like a parent to the group. They all look yeah, up to him. Yeah, he's the mature one. Yeah. He also makes sure they all eat properly. Unless, well, until you get the choice to choose what he cooks, then you could just make him make toast every night. Yeah. Um, he was sort of the the most mature of the, the lot. And then you had Prompto, who was the... Like, the goofy, funny friend, and you know from the beginning, one, it's a Final Fantasy game, and two, because of his character, you know something's going to happen to make him sad, and it's going to be horrible, because you never want to see him sad. So, mm -hmm. the four of them are promptly ejected from Noctis's house after his dad is, again, done the kill, and... You end up like going on this huge journey to try and get back a ring, which is—is is it necessary? No, not necessary. Not the word. Um, it's like, like his royal birthright. Yeah, it's like a birthright thing that he needs, and it'll basically help them to stop this demon invasion that's been going on. And on the way around the the world, doing your business, because obviously there's a lot of like side missionary and. Fishing. Lots, fishing. Of fishing. Lots of fishing. Um, you meet Kor, who is voiced by Matt Mercer, and he he sort of like he's like a, a a legend, I think they call him. And he helps sort of guide Noctis on the right path. You you meet um what's his name? Arden. Ugh Arden. I hate Arden. That's how you know he's a well-written villain. Because you just hate him. And he's sort of like... He's one of those types where... Every time you think you're getting 
the drop on him, it turns out you're doing what he wanted you to do. He's that kind of villain. He's like yeah. the always three steps ahead kind of villain. And, I mean, this game came out when? Like, 2016? Yep. So I, I think we can talk about spoilers for this game now. It's been four years. I've not finished it. You haven't? No. Why not? Because I'll go into that uh, when you're done. Would you like me to avoid spoiling it then? I'd rather you stayed vague. Okay, so... Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like, I'm, I'm glad that I know that before I said anything that was spoiler. <laughs> um, so your whole quest is to go and get this ring, which is a birthright to help you take back your kingdom. And the game sort of tests the bonds of your friendship with the group, because obviously it's a huge, horrible purpose that you've got, where you've basically got to leave your kingdom to go and get something that proves it's your kingdom, but there's forces conspiring against you to stop you doing that. Um, and the the sort of friendship of the group is... Like, every character sort of bends their own way, so Gladio becomes way more like, it doesn't matter how bad things get, we just have to keep pushing on. Ignis is more, we need to think about what our next step is before we do it and prompto is like we like i want to make sure everyone's happy and then you got noctis who is the player controlled character who spends all his time fishing <laughs> um but it's like the the story arc without going into any sort of spoilers it takes you down paths that are really like they really did outdid themselves sorry for 15 the way that, like, some things that happen in the story, you just... You don't expect from a Final Fantasy game. There's a lot of, like... Later on, there's a lot of, um... Changes to the combat. Not in any sort of, like... Deep... Rooted way. It's just sometimes you have to fight fights differently. Yeah, like that famous uh, scene in Final Fantasy XV where it's all in a first-person shooter perspective. Yeah. Really cool. And, um... You Know What You Are by Nine Inch Nails plays over the end credits. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so there's a part later on I won't say what happens, but one of the characters uh, has to go off on his own like, it's just it's just him on his own and you're playing, uh, actually yeah, it's Noctis because you play as Noctis, there's a part where you're on your own, so a lot of the fighting you have to take into account that you can't ask your team to use certain attacks, so you can't have um, I can't remember what the thing's called you know how like each character has their own I keep want to call them smash attacks, but they're not. Um, they limit breaks. What are they called? I'm just checking on the the Wikipedia page for it. Oh, side uh, side strikes and blind sides. Right. Um, that you can get a link strike from that. So basically, if you like, if you warp to an enemy and hit them, uh, you can stagger them. In which case, you can ask Gladio, Ignis, or Prompto to like do a follow up attack that does a lot more damage. The game does that thing where it lets you use that a lot and you get used to using it and then at certain points like one of the characters will leave the party like they always do in Final Fantasy games and then you suddenly realize that without that you've forgotten how to fight. So then you end up fighting like a basic enemy but you're like okay I'm used to having him come in and do something here but he's not here. 
and even just out of things like they added in like I know you get it in Final Fantasy 7 remake at the moment but you get like firearms as well as melee weapons so you can change the type of fighting that you're doing it was just like again I can't say anything about the story because you've not played it but it was one of the best single player story games I'd played in so long and like there was just some parts like there's a part where you go to a chocobo wrench and it's just the most adorable thing because you can just run around with tiny baby chocobos the whole time. I remember that. And occasionally, when you're just running about the world, Prompto will start singing the chocobo theme and yeah. he'll make his own versions of it. Like the... What's it called? You know, like the the conversations that they have with each other while you're just running around. Like just the Mad random dialogue. Mate. Yeah. That in that game is so good because obviously they really knew what each character was going to be and they knew how they wanted them to react with each other so you'd have like if you just want to fight sometimes ignis would say something profound and nice where he's like you did it i never had any doubt and then sometimes you'll win a fight and prompto be like man i'm hungry and you're like yep <laughs> both of those are accurate <laughs> yeah i just i i loved it if i hadn't played 12 15 would be my favorite by far. And I know it's quite a, an unpopular opinion because of games like 8, 7, 13. <laughs> uh, no, like, I remember a lot of people complaining about 15 as well. Um, it's divisive. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of critics enjoyed the game. And there was also one, there was critics that really didn't. I think critically it did uh, pretty well. I think a lot of it's like retrospective, you know, critique is a lot is from like long term fans. I think. Yeah. Um. There was a lot of things like a lot of the praise for the game came from, uh, Gladio, Prompto, and Ignis because they were really just such a huge part of the story. But they're also so well written and performed that you end up just loving those three characters all the way through the game. But for me, I think the biggest thing was that I went into it knowing... I went into it knowing I would enjoy it, but not knowing anything about the story. And I avoided everything on the internet to do with it until I'd beaten it. But I did stream it. So I don't know where that stream is. It's probably around on the internet somewhere. But... There were so many huge... Um, I don't want to say set pieces again, but it is. Like, just huge areas of the map where you'd get into, like, a big fight and it was so awesome to look at. Like, you've pr like how far into the story did you get? Halfway, give or take. So did you... Did you meet... Um, oh, yeah, no, Sid's in it from the start. No, who am I thinking of? Ravis. He's, like, the... He's the brother of your fiancé. And I believe so, but he's like, like he's has, a bit of a dickhead. It's I believe so. Uh the only I'm not good with names, and it has been about three and a half years. I might have. Um I'll send you an image of him so you can see. It might not help, to be honest. Oh trust me, you'll know if, like I'll send you the picture that accurately displays his face so you can see what I mean when I say what I'm about to say. It is this guy. So he's the one who always talks down to Noctis like he's an idiot and a child. I don't recognize him, but again, I have a bad memory. If you haven't encountered him, when you do, 
all you'll be thinking is, dear God, shut up. Hmm. But, like, that's another example of, like, a character that's so well written that it it does what it's intended to do. Like, you're supposed to not like him because you play as Noctis and he hates Noctis. I don't know, just all in all, I'd say, like, it was such a well-designed game. The story was really good. The combat in it was super fun to the point where, like, I think I... Did I stream or did I record the... You had, like, optional hunts, like you got in Final Fantasy XII. You definitely streamed a good bunch of them on your way to yes. the Platinum. Yeah, I streamed me getting the Platinum. And also, I did a stream where I did a lot of the post-game content, which was really fun. Except for the platformer dungeon, because that game was not designed for platforming. There was a... Oh, I've forgotten the name of it. I'm just going to look up the trophy guide because there was a trophy or the trophy list sorry one of the hunts was against a huge turtle and i've forgotten what it's called would be like adam, adam and toys is it the adam and toys it probably is I mean, because that's in all of them yeah that's like the classic uh, final fantasy monster or if you play world of final fantasy the adam and toys is a good is a friendly creature who gives yes. you a lift on his back uh it's the adam and toys so it's one of those ones where it's like you don't get to do it until near the end of the game, which is a good thing because have you seen how big the Edamantoys is in this yeah, game? Yeah, I watched it do it. Yeah. So that fight can be reset by accident if you get knocked away from it. And I think you might be on a time limit for it as well. Just like I didn't know what to expect going into it. So I accepted that hunt and was like, oh, I remember the Edamantoys in Final Fantasy Twelve. I can probably beat that again. And then I ran up and I was like, oh, it must be around this mountain somewhere. And it was the mountain. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh no, it's time. And it was just so much fun. It was it was a huge fight. You had to really consider what you were doing. Um, you had to use the warping very efficiently to avoid getting hit by certain things. And also to... Um, sort of like land critical hits. It was it was a lot of fun, and the music in that game was beautiful, like they are in every Final Fantasy game. I liked the MP3 player. Yes, where you could you could buy all sorts of music. Yeah, so every like I think every gas station had a unique album, or give or like give or take some. And it then... was super nice of them to do that honestly, because they didn't have to. Yeah. But they, they put it in, so you could put the music from... I don't know how many games there were, but there were a lot of the Final Fantasy games. You could play their music. Most of the main games. So yeah, you would get like uh, Final Fantasy VII, the album, and then it would just be a selection of songs from Seven, and then it'd be one for at least most of the other games. I don't know if it's all of them, but it was most, yeah. It included like Final Fantasy One stuff, I think. Do you have any thoughts on Final Fantasy Fifteen? Yeah, so it so about the the year before it came out, I just every time there was a final, I was the opposite of you. Every time there was a Final Fantasy Fifteen event, I watched it. There was a lot of like streams going on, showing off like fr the first bits of gameplay. They showed. I remember being very excited, and I never got to this point in the game because um, they showed the car turning into a plane. Yes, and I just remember. Like, this was the same stream they announced, like, Kingsglaive the film, and the cast of that, and then the gameplay, and then they showed us some combat, and my main thing was, I want to fly the car. Mm-hmm. 
But I believe it that came was called out. the Type F when you upgrade mm. your car into that. But the biggest problem with Final Fantasy XV is that it came out when I was in fourth year of uni. Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> and it's pretty much open world. And if you want, like, I'm the type of person who will just systematically do everything in an open world to the point where I get burnt out. And I play a lot of Final Fantasy XV in like two weeks. And then stopped because I did a uni work and never got back into it. It's not the fault of the game. It's just the fact that I had to basically make my priorities right. Yeah, like you had to put all your time into making sure you passed uni. Yeah. About not long after that, though, they started releasing DLC for Final Fantasy XV. So, like, once I finished uni, there's some DLC out. Like, okay, I'll wait till... It's all out, and then I'll get back into it. And then they announced the Royal Edition. And I was like, okay, I'll get the Royal Edition stuff, and then I'll get back into it. And then I was like, well, I don't want to pay this much for the Royal Edition. I'll wait till it's on sale. And then the sale would come on, and I'm like, well, actually, I kind of want to buy this. So I'll wait till the next sale. And then that was me for three years. I do now have the Royal Edition stuff. But my copy of Final Fantasy XV is in Glasgow. Oh, great. <laughs> I So, for three years, I've been, think, I've been saying, oh, I'm going to get back into Final Fantasy XV. I'm going to finish it. And just through either priorities or just bad luck, it just hasn't happened. I would say you should stream it. Yeah, maybe. I'd have to that actually wasn't up for debate. <laughs> So yeah, I've got like their old edition stuff. I've got all the DLC. So it's just a matter of actually just sitting down. And it would have been a good time right now to play it. But again, I took my copy of it to Glasgow with the expectation that I was going to finally beat it. And and now then, you're stuck not in Glasgow. Yeah, I'm stuck in Aberdeen because we're locked down. Yay! So yeah, uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen. Yeah, I thought it was good. It, but it didn't because uh, maybe because I didn't finish it. It didn't leave enough of a imprint on my brain mm-hmm. for me to include it on my list. And I, there's a lot other Final Fantasies I prefer, and we'll get into that as we go along with the series. We've already talked about one. Yeah, yep. it's it's just, it's a good game. It's just yeah, I never finished it because I had to do a dissertation. Ew. I know, right? It it, it was pretty bad. So, where am I putting it on my list? Yeah, this is... I'm interested. I'm gonna put it... Oh. <laughs> um, it, it's getting hard already. I'm yep. telling you. I'm gonna put it... Because the thing is, I don't know if I want to put it in first or second, and the problem is I platinumed both Doom and Final Fantasy XV, and I only really go for a platinum if I really enjoyed the game. Yep. I'm gonna put it above Doom. Oh, I honestly was not expecting that, but... But here's the thing, right? It's I don't think it's on my list, but at the moment, Doom Eternal would be above Final Fantasy XV if it was on my list. The series were gone for a while. If you finish Doom Eternal, you decide that's going on the list. You can just add it to the list. That's a good point, actually, yeah. But at the moment, fifteen is at the top of my list. Nice. So we both have 
a top 11 now. We do. Uh, How very upsetting. I know. That's <laughs> it's bad. more upsetting that we're like a tenth of the way through this. But it's fun. I it enjoy doing this. And we will enjoy doing this next week. Hell yeah, bro. Episode four, A New Hope. Well, um, we hope so anyway. <laughs> could be episode five. What if we just do that? What if we throw everyone for a loop? Yeah, just so one, two, four. three, five, and they're like, oh, I missed <laughs> games. What could they be? And then ten years from now, when hashtag release the fourth <laughs> episode is trending, we'll finally release it, and it's a ten-minute podcast of us being like, shit, we put four instead of, uh, we put five instead of four. <laughs> just stick with it. It'll be on the director's cut. Oh, man, I love the director's cut of podcasts. <laughs> Right. Uh, so, uh, for all the places you can find us, I'll leave that to the pre-recorded uh, message uh, sent to us from Stu the Cat. Moo. Moo, indeed. <laughs> Expert cat. So yeah, thank you again for listening. Uh, please subscribe to us on Spotify or wherever uh, you're listening to this from. And we will see you. Or, well, we'll not see you next week because we can't see you. We have we a will website. will be in your ears So please next visit yes, www.x2attack.com for game and movie reviews, among other things. Search for us on YouTube for videos. You can follow us at X2Attack on Twitter. Individually, you can follow Stu at S-I-W Johnston and Blake at Panther with a U instead of an E. Blake is also Panther on Twitch.tv where you can catch Stu under the username TheStu underscore XTA. Thank you for listening.